The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we talk about the most disappointing team of 2021, the Dallas Mavericks. No matter how hot the Utah Jazz get, why they still have a shitload to prove, the sneaky reason that no one's playing defense this year, and we answer a bunch more listener DMs. So without further ado, oh wow, what a great fade out. Such a solid fade out. Before we get started today, let me just say this. For everyone who watched the game last night, I'm talking about the Nets-Wizards game. The Russell Westbrook segment is coming. It's coming. (laughs) I know he's healthy for the first time in forever, and he's got his bounce back, but I want to take my time on this segment. I didn't have enough time to get it done. You're going to have to wait till Friday, because do I ever have lots of things to say? So let's get into really what I want to talk about, which is this. Do you know what I'm tired of hearing? Uh, that Giannis is a top five MVP candidate, that the Bucks are favorite to win the East, uh, maybe that they have an 83% chance to win the NBA title. I mean, still. that percentage was crazy when, the, uh, when ESPN put that out. Horrible. I was like, I mean, they're, I mean, they're not going to win the first round. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just 83% is a wild number. I mean, it's a bubble year. That was, that was just an insane, but yes, I am tired of hearing that, obviously. Yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is Luca and the Mavs. How many times, how many goddamn times am I going to have to hear Luca drops 30, he balls out these crazy stats, and the Mavs lose? In a Mavs loss, Luca goes off. The shit is gross. It is. He's top five in the MVP race. He's averaging almost a triple-double. He's averaging 39-9. and And they're 13th in the Western Conference. And it's concerning. It's not like they're just losing in a, in a last-minute fashion. Sometimes they go down 20 in five minutes. Sometimes they blow a 20-point lead. The only thing that's a constant with these Mavs games is that Luka goes off and he's gassed and can't finish. He can't be Superman for the entire 36, 40 minutes. The only team that they've beaten of note is that 150-point game against the Clippers, and Lord knows Luka was fresh in that game. Yeah, no Kawhi either. No Kawhi, and the game was over before it even started. The Dallas Mavericks are 8-12. and 12. They've lost 8 of their last 10. I mean, come on! Big question, how did they get here? Bigger question, why were their expectations so high coming in? Why? How did they become a team that everyone thought was going to lead the West? I had listeners hitting me up like, Trista, 
how much better did the Mavs get with all this 3 and D that they've added? And I believe my answer in the preseason was like, did they get 3 and D help? I don't remember them doing that. I don't remember adding those pieces. Josh Richardson? Are they thinking of Josh Richardson? I was prepping for this segment, and I was like, I don't think so. I saw a news story from a month ago, and the news, the news story said this. Dallas Mavericks, why they crushed the offseason. <laughs> Dallas Mavericks are in a position to contend. Shit. Hmm. Okay, so here's what, uh, here's what this Big J had to say about the Mavs. Uh, the acquisition of Josh Richardson is going to do wonders for this team. <laughs> Richardson no! G- <laughs> Richardson gives the Mavs a gritty and raunchy edge that simply wasn't there a season ago. While losing Seth Curry hurts, the Mavericks still have all kinds of scoring throughout their rotation. And while he's unproven, did add uh, Tyrell Terry in the draft to replace some of that dead-eye marksmanship from the three-point line. Tyrell Terry? Mm-hmm. Dead-eye marksman? Yeah. He's averaging one point a game. <laughs> that writer also said this, that Josh Richardson could D-up Kawhi. Imagine thinking in any universe that Josh Richardson could put clamps on Kawhi Leonard. Imagine <laughs> thinking you could compete against the Clippers. The reason that you got Josh Richardson was so that you could beat the Clippers in the first round. You're, you're not even going to get one game off the Clippers now that they have Serge Ibaka yeah. and Nick Batum. Let's be real. Let's just call it what it is, spade a spade. This roster, this Mavs roster is not good. Look at that roster from start to finish. Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson is your third option. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. is your fourth option. Stunning. It's not even like they were great last year and then they just lost pieces. The only guy they lost was Seth Curry. And I'm not trying to slander Seth Curry, but he's not the he's not the reason that you're underperforming now. Yeah, he's not a team killer. No. No. It's not like, "Oh, I'm building around Seth Curry." No one ever has said that. No one. They might have mispronounced Steph Curry, but not about Seth Curry. Luka has covered up how bad this team has been. Let's spit facts for a second. They were three and five in the bubble last year in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They were two and four in the playoffs, and everyone was sucking their dick coming into this season, and they didn't get better because of Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson's the reason yeah. you're going to be a contender. <laughs> Luca made that cool three in the bubble. Be yeah. serious. He had that step back, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and like those two wins that the Clippers, the, the that the Mavs got over the Clippers. Those weren't, like, astounding wins. Those were last-second wins. Yeah. So, I don't understand it whatsoever. Josh Richardson? The only reason that Josh Richardson is who he is and everybody thinks he's so good is because he played for the Miami Heat, and Miami Heat is the reason that he was playing well. You saw what he did when he was on the Philadelphia 76ers. Not much. Or they wouldn't have gotten rid of him. They should have tried to go get Tobias Harris. Even Luke is like, this is ridiculous. I played in Europe my whole life, and I've never played with lazier people than I'm playing with <laughs> right now. 
Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, Europe is the king and queen of, like, work-life balance. Yeah. They're all his, he's like, my teammates are normally on the beaches of the Adriatic Sea. And uh, at least they cared whether we won. Here is what Luca had to say after their last loss. Evaluate uh, y'all's play and effort tonight. Terrible. Can you elaborate? There's really not much to say. But, you know, uh, I never felt like this. And we got to do something because this is not looking good. And, you know, we got to step up and, you know, just talk to each other and play way better than this. It's mostly after. Yikes. I've never felt like this. It's not looking good. It's mostly <laughs> effort. And later on in the next part of the interview, he says, it looks like we don't even care if we should win or not. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. I don't think. You're paid to play games to win them, and you just don't care whatsoever. A 21-year-old is like, yo, what's up? Are you guys wanting to compete? Like, yo, compete! <laughs> compete! Play basketball! <laughs> this is not a winning culture. And then Chris Stapp said something. What did he say post game? Yeah, here, I've got it. He said, uh, we don't have that chemistry yet that we're looking for. We don't have our roles clear. We're just kind of out there playing. We're a talented group, but until we have everybody playing together and having also some time off the court, I think we won't have that chemistry. Excuse me, who? Who is we? <laughs> who? Chris Stapps is acting like it's not him. Until we have everyone playing together, we won't have that chemistry. Hey, uh, Zinger, you are the one that's not healthy. You are the one that tore your ACL and had to miss multiple seasons to recover. You are the one that sits out, sits out back-to-back games for maintenance reasons. You cannot build chemistry from the bench. No, you cannot. And no one's going to want to hang out with you if you don't play games with them. So, off, oh, when, we play, when we're off the court, like we're going to build chemistry off the court too? <laughs> like you're always off the court. Right. <laughs> you have to play together and not half the time. You have to play all the time. You have to develop a rhythm in those big moments in order to feel good when those big moments come again. Yeah, and uh, uh, Chris Stapps has played in about half of their games this year, I And think. what's wild about that is that they are 3-6 and six with him in the lineup. This 13-team in the Western Conference is statistically better when he's not around, and this is a roster that he's the second-best guy on. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah no, he's actually— uh... He's actually playing in less percentage of games in Dallas than he did when he was on the Knicks. Like, 75% for the Knicks, 73% for Dallas. I mean, it's brutal. That's br- I don't think that's Killer. what the Dallas Mavericks were anticipating when they, when they got Chris Dabbs Porzingis. So let, let me fill you in, Mark Cuban, on a little secret. Porzingis isn't good anymore. He's not good. He's brittle. He's never going to be good anymore because he's never going to be healthy anymore. That's just facts. His prior injuries make him completely immobile. And then, on top of that, he still needs to miss time just to maintain where he's at. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Have you watched him out there playing defense? Oh, yeah. No, he's stiff as a board. Dude, it's like his feet are stuck to the court. He just gets cooked. Absolutely cooked because he can't move. You're seven feet tall with ligament issues, and you're underweight. And the facts are, 
You are maxed out at like 40 games a year. And it's not like you're a cheap player. The Mavs traded two first-rounders and some table scraps to the Knicks for Porzingis, and then they had to sign him to the Supermax for $160 million. Yeah, and they also took on uh, Tim Hardaway's crazy deal that they're still paying. I think he's making like $17 million this year. <laughs> I mean, how do you lose a trade to James Dolan? <laughs> Yikes! This gets worse and worse the more I think about it. That's like getting spotted two strokes a hole to Charles Barkley in a match straight up and still losing to this dude. It's impossible. It's impossible. How long is it going to be before Luka either breaks down because he's the number one, number two, and number three option, and you know he's a hard rock. You know he's going to do everything that he can to keep them in games. And then now he's got injuries. That's tough. How long until Luka's like, uh, I don't really want to be here anymore. Dallas is fine, but, like, Milwaukee's not that cold in the winter. I like Walt Disney World just fine. Like, Orlando seems good to me. Anywhere else but here. You're not getting me any help. This dude that's supposed to be my big man, one, can't guard anyone. And he's barely even around. I do not think that the Mavs have played this correctly. They think that they have a European who's got the patience of Dirk Nowitzki, and I promise you they do not. He's not going to wait 18 years to get a ring. No way. Prediction? Don't ratio me for this. I know that that's what Twitter and TikTok even wants to do now. This Mavs team might just fuck around and miss the playoffs altogether. Here's a little known fact. I am a world-class musher, meaning every time I get excited about a bet or a team, um, they stumble. Yep. I'm not a bad gambler per se, but the games that I consider the lock of the century, a.k.a. Utah Jazz minus two and a half against uh, the Denver Nuggets, that is when I take an L. That could be said about segments too. As soon as I create a segment like, oh my God, this team is sick. They do what they did. If they have the game before I record, bet everything on the other team that they're playing. <laughs> so, yeah. I was juiced on playing and writing about how the Jazz were built to contend. 11 straight wins. Conley, underrated, playing really? like an MVP. Yeah. Locking guys down, being a playmaker like you read about. Gobert earning every penny. Holy moly, Jordan Clarkson playing like the second coming of Lou Williams. <laughs> Ooh, I, I was like, like uh. Yeah, uh, they're 11-1 and one against the spread in their last 12. They're just like killing people. I didn't bet them on, uh, yesterday. I just, Sundays, I just try to get away from basketball betting because I do too much during the week. But, uh, yeah, I gave uh, – I when they played the Hawks, I gave that out as a lock, and they won. So Yeah, so I um, unfortunately bet the first half and the full game, and both times I got fucked. So – of course, in Tristan Mush fashion, the Jazz went out and gave up 79 points in the first half to the Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> 79. 43 in the first quarter. Just so bad. Just so, so bad. How does that even happen? I, I didn't. That was not what I anticipated when I called them. They messed my entire parlay up. Them and the, the Wizards. Tough. Number one in the West, and then pow, clunk. Just terrible. Anyway, a bad game is a bad game. 
And this is, of course, not an X's and O's podcast. That was more stats and numbers than probably you'll ever hear. But just know that I'm aware of this atrocity. I still want to say things. We've had the Donovan Mitchell talk. The world has. But nothing really is going to change my mind about the long-term chances. Even when I was writing this in my mind, like, okay, what am I going to say about the Jazz? I thought, you know what? Maybe they're still built to contend. This is just a one-game thing. I admit it. I was on the Jazz gravy train. When a team's hot, they're hot. I like winning money. I get excited. And you know how recency bias goes. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. When a team's hot, you're like, damn, they could beat anyone. But nothing can change my heart. And that cold water game was perfect. Because I remembered what I knew to be true. Which is when this team goes cold, it spreads like the black plague. (laughs) Everyone, everyone is cold at once. Spider, three for 12. It's not great. Conley, two for 10. Clarkson, four for 13. People, listen up. Listen up, you little Provo, Utah residents. (laughs) This is what I've told you multiple times about the Jazz. This is not marginalization, Kira. When this team goes cold, they go ice cold. Ice cold! They are about as out of rhythm as you would imagine someone from Utah to be. Just offbeat, clapping, off the, <laughs> off the snare, just unaware of how dancing works. Like a team that you would expect to be called the Jazz from Utah, just like totally not in sync with music. I mean, it's not usually one game. I'm probably going to take the other side of these bets for the next two or three. Yeah, And guess what? That is a bad recipe for success in the playoffs. Let's say they finish third in in the West. That's not a stretch. We know it's probably going to be Lakers, probably going to be Clippers, right? So say they finish third, Mm -hmm. and they've got to face the sixth seed. Who could that be? Oh, uh uh-oh, Phoenix Suns, your team. Just could be. Hate that matchup for Utah. Booker, Aiton, Chris Paul. Mikael Bridges, Jesus Christ, that's a bad matchup, isn't it? Oh, yeah, horrible. I mean, these dudes are going to cook them. DeAndre Ayton is ascending. People may not be aware of it, but he's his last 10 games have been special. I cannot wait for the Ayton-Gobert matchup. Me too. Ugh, yikes. Portland Trailblazers could be another team sneaky. Dame time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't care if you have Gobert. Let him have 50. I don't care. Nurk will be back by then, mm. and his canner's sneaky. Even the least likely scenario is the Golden State Warriors. Not, let's not act like that's a walk in the park. These dudes are certified. They've played in big games before. You don't think Steph Curry can, and Draymond can give a little rah-rah speech to get these boys up? Yeah, I know that's probably not what's going to be the case, right? But do I think that they would beat the Jazz? No. But can they? Yeah. Who's more likely to go ice cold in your mind? Steph Curry? Or Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy. (laughs) This is not a spider haterade podcast. But 11 games in a row in the regular season is not going to make me change my mind, folks. Mm -hmm. It's just not. I'm happy for Mike Conley. He's got resurrecting his career. Nice guy. Having an MVP-like season. Even, Even averaging 17, it's like, yo, Mike Conley is the reason that the Utah Jazz are winning. Yeah, he's been awesome. Until this team proves to me that they're not going to choke away a 3-1 lead, I don't care how many games in a row they win. 
I am still super skip. Thank God for those cold water games, or I might have lost my damn mind and said some shit I might regret. So the song coming into this segment is all about being in your feelings. You know what I love about basketball in general? How close the crowd is mm-hmm. to the players. That is That does something oh, to yeah. the ego of the player. It's not like football. You're, you're as close as I am to you right now. Sometimes closer, yeah. Sometimes closer. Sometimes they're like on you. Mm -hmm. They fall on you. When you're 10, 15 feet away from some random fan courtside and you get embarrassed by your opponent, imagine this. A thotty thot sitting there with their low-cut top on, bodycon dress, oily tan legs, looking at you like she wants to give you the business, boy. (laughs) And you're like, yes. I'm going to get her number after the game. Mm, She's ignoring her man. And then right next to her, you get posterized. What do you think that cocktail does to the male ego? Does something. (laughs) Right? Yeah. There's nothing more embarrassing than getting embarrassed in front of someone that you want to have sex with. Facts. That's, I mean, just nothing. Yeah. You are one of the people that she came to watch perform, and then you got someone's nuts on your face. You couldn't perform. It was like you needed Viagra to do your job. Someone's got to be <laughs> the one with the nuts on their face, and that was you, and you think you're going to be able to smash after that. You better do something to reply and put that in her mind with the recency bias. Something happens. You know what it does? It makes you want to compete effort it makes you want to compete to ball out to play hard to not get embarrassed in front of people that you visually see who paid money to see you you to avoid them getting up right in front of you and walking out the door because you suck the booze the screams (laughs) the disappointment the judgment, that plays into how you play basketball. I swear on my life, that's how it is. That's how different it is than the NFL. They're right there. And earlier this season, in the NFL season, I sat down with uh, soon-to-be pro bowler Jesse Bates III, who plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, safety. And I asked him what it was like to play with no crowds in the season, and this is what he said. Do you think the crowd noise is impacted anything for you yeah a little bit um i think without the fans it, it kind of feels like a scrimmage honestly um i still get that that hype that feeling um i never take that for granted but uh yeah i like i like when the fans are screaming and stuff like that on a big play um it's kind of hard to celebrate that's that's probably the hardest thing is um you know you make a play and I'm looking up in the stands and I see cutouts and I'm like, yeah, let's go <laughs> to the cutout. So uh, it, it was cool. It was cool to have some fans um, at home last week against the Jaguars. Pretty cool. What about with hard counts and stuff that you can hear? Is it, is that make, does that make it difficult? Um, For me, I mean, I'm not really down there in the box as much. Right. Uh, so I'm not really hearing the, the snap count or what, what they're saying up there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure for the linebackers, it's a lot easier. Um, I mean, even for quarterbacks, it's a lot easier for them to hear what we're saying as well. So, um, 
yeah, that's going to play a huge factor for sure. Who do you think the lack of crowd noise benefits most? Like which side of the ball or what position? Um, I, I would say the offensive lineman. Uh, you, you think about, you know, when, you, when you're on the road, you have to use uh, the, the, the silent count because it's so loud. Um, and now, instead, they can actually hear the quarterbacks and the DNs. That usually how they get their, you know, their get off is a lot better because the O-line has to look at the ball. Now they can just really look at them and, and set and really hear the snap count. So I think that's who really benefits from it. And I've heard that from our O-linemen and the other O-linemen uh, on other teams that that's what's going to benefit them this year. So even the NFL is affected by the lack of crowds, and they're wearing helmets. They're 250 feet away at minimum from human beings that judge them. The human beings that are judging them don't even know what they look like most of the time. They can see them at the grocery store. Imagine, you know, you're going to see that person at the grocery store. No mask on. And they're going to be like, ugh. Imagine, (laughs) imagine how the lack of crowds affects the NBA. A lot. A lot, a lot. That's the human element of the crowd. The human element of the crowd is what makes basketball. So that, to me, is why this season is different than any other season. That, to me is why you see guys like the Mavs doing nothing. This is different than any year, including last year. Their entire regular season is now like AAU. That fucking sucks, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Or a scrimmage between opposing teams, just light touch. Just walking the ball up the court, walking around screens. That's you, Milwaukee Bucks. (laughs) This is why the Nets Wizards can hit the over with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, no matter what the number was. The over-under on last night's game was 242. They almost hit 300 last night, Marty. 295. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 295. Gross. No defense. No urgency to play defense. No crowds to hold them accountable for not playing said defense. No one chanting, boo, you suck, you're <laughs> trash, my son hates you. <laughs> Yikes, right? No one be like, defense, defense, to remind you, yo, D up. Yeah, there's no way it feels like playing in an actual NBA game. There's no way. Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't care how many little screens someone's zooming in, they see you clap. That does not matter. You can't really see them. They can't really interact with you. I saw a stat. This is going to be an insane stat. You're not even going to believe this. The Clippers have shot right around 700 threes this year, and mm-hmm. 600 of those threes were uncontested. That, that doesn't even sound real. Wait, wait, 600 were 600 uncontested. 600 of the 700 of the Clippers' threes were uncontested. Either that means we don't think you can shoot, or we don't want to guard shooters. Hmm. That doesn't seem real, but neither did the Clippers losing by 50, which actually I think adds to the point, which is that when teams go down big, they just lay down. Yeah, They're like, yeah, fuck it. They don't even try to come back most of the time. God bless the Wizards for coming back in last night's game. God bless them. And Bradley Beal, you have to see the highlights. He was fed up. He was throwing the ball. It was bad. He looked like he was him and KD were going to catch hands. Ooh. Why? Why do you see teams lay down? Because they are not embarrassed. No, was it, no one is in the gym to look at them with disgust. Like, ugh. 
Ugh. I have, to me, a brilliant idea for a solution. It's a little unorthodox. Okay. And, and you may not like it. What is it? <laughs> I think you give all the olds who have the vaccines in their blood free courtside tickets to the game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those salty elderly men and women would love nothing more than to boo and hiss Kyrie Irving for all of his antics, all of his dribbling. They're like, boo! Where's Bob Cousy? <laughs> Coos! Coos! <laughs> Old people, they have no patience for this bullshit. No way. They're already in a bad mood when they wake up. They're in pain. They don't like to go anywhere. Their joints are tight and painful. Ailments aplenty. Even perfect basketball would put, piss them off. This new school game in person, I mean, they've got to be livid, right? They're just, ugh. They are used to 65-60 NBA games where it's like two-handed set shots and underhanded free throws. Dunks aren't allowed. This game, boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> they've got their cane clacking. <laughs> this might be the thing that fixes things. Or, or, or another idea. Here's another idea. Give the vaccines to the thoughts first. Give them out to the thotty thoughts. Put them on the court. Licking their collagen-filled lips like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> their low-cut tops are jiggling, giving them the fuck you eyes. That might encourage these players to, I don't know, compete. Do your job. Play some defense. And then maybe, just maybe, because sex is the ultimate motivator, we might finally see some real basketball. All right, let's get into some listener DMs. Okay, uh, number one, we've got, uh, is it worth it for the Nets to give up anything for J.J. Redick? They have so many shooters. Marty, come on. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Come on. Tough question to ask. I mean, they did follow it up with they have so many shooters, so they kind of already know what the answer is, don't they? Yeah. Let's talk about it. The Nets just put up 146 points in a regular season game, and they lost. I think it's I think it's safe to say they don't need any more offense. If if the Nets get JJ Redick when they already have Joe Harris, maybe they're thinking about trading Joe Harris. I don't know, but if you have those two guys on the same team, they're like the same guy. Only JJ can come around the screen and hit a shot, and Joe Harris is more like that corner three guy. Mm-hmm. Both pretty boys. I don't know what it is about people just wanting to hang out in Brooklyn because their family lives there, but I'm telling you this, <laughs> J.J. Reddick, that's cheating. Go play for the Knicks, fam. If you want to stay in Brooklyn, just go play for the Knicks. This doesn't make any sense. We already have a pretty boy with a podcast. KD has his podcast during the season. Their defensive rating right now is the worst in NBA history. Right the second. And guess what? J.J. Redick is not going to help that whatsoever. No. So, no, I don't like that trade whatsoever. I think they need someone who can play some D. Yeah. Who do you think that the Nets should trade for right now besides Andre Drummond? Ooh, I mean, who's available? Shoot. It's got to be someone on the wing. You know, this is a crazy thing to say. Ubre. No. <laughs> guy, that's a way to stop your offense. Yeah. Getting Kelly Oubre. A guy who thinks he's a shooter who is not a shooter. 
I mean, you need a real 3 and D guy. What, Josh Richardson? No. Ooh. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I think you need I – don't, I don't know if this is even a real trade, and I would – I mean, I gross myself out to even say Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving straight up. I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. That improves your – I mean, if you could get Ben Simmons, Matisse, Thibel. Oh, yeah. Thibel's great. I mean, as, as little he, as he can do on offense, he's all-team, first-team all-defense I mean, caliber. if you could get those yeah. two boys for Kyrie Irving and then maybe trade Joe Harris for them, and then maybe you get J.J. Redick to replace. Oh, yeah, we're playing GM right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're playing GM right now. I think that could work. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think Philly would like that, actually. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't. Philly's playing great. They're probably staying pat. It's tough. Uh, I am looking forward, though, to the point in the season. It's already The chatters are already starting. Steve Nash, your boy, is going to be fired, Marty. It's a matter. He's not even anywhere to be found. I don't even think he's calling plays anymore. Unless he's doing these rotations, which we know are garbage, he's getting fired. Count on it. So disrespectful. Next question, please. <laughs> I'm not. T- <laughs> Next question, please. Okay. Uh, who is the NBA Rookie of the Year at this point? I have an answer. I'm curious what yours is. Who is your answer? Lamella. It's got to be Lamella, yeah. right? He is better. Number two overall pick. Better. No, three over. Three. He was pick. two. Was he? Yeah. No, it was. It was. Uh, your boy Ant Edwards, and then it was James Wiseman. Oh, you're right. And then he was, it was three. Lamella. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. His court vision is sick. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. (laughs) I've never, I mean, I have. I think I haven't seen someone love to pass the way Melo loves to pass, except for Jason Williams. Yeah. It's been since White Chocolate, by the way. Can't name someone White Chocolate, by the way. They're already doing that. I think it's uh, Peyton Pritchard's new name. You can't replace that. Mm -mm. So it's it's dope to see someone, I mean, and Gordon Hayward's thriving with (laughs) LaMelo. Yeah. Just setting them up. But the player that must be talked about is Emmanuel Quickly. Definitely, yeah. He is on not only a surprise team, but he's probably one of the reasons that they are a surprise team. He's allowing R.J. Barrett to turn into who R.J. Barrett is supposed to be. R.J. Barrett's having an all-time efficient game or season. Just Paul George recently, just last yesterday, called Quickly crazy, fearless, and Kawhi said sky's the limit for Quickly. Just another example of, hey, GMs, it's not that hard. If there's a Kentucky player available, you take that Kentucky player that's available. Doesn't matter if you have the need or if you don't have the need. Most often, they turn out. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Hero, nobody was talking about him. Don't overthink it. It doesn't matter. If I had a child right now, I would put him in a Kentucky onesie. Yeah. Like, immediately. <laughs> If I had a boy, a little boy, I'm not having any kids, so for folks who think I'm breaking news here. But if I did have a son, Coach Cal would be his greatest hero. He would be, <laughs> he would be watching YouTube clips of Coach Cal. He's averaging 12, quickly he's averaging, not my son, my, quickly is averaging 12 points in 20 minutes a game. That's crazy. Like, that is nuts. And it's almost like, the Knicks finally made a good decision. On Tibbs? Tibbs and quickly. Yeah. I think both of them together, Tibbs is the ultimate, like, 
get players ready. He's almost like a Kenny Atkinson. He's good for rookies because yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not worried about like running them out of the gym. Correct. Yeah. Like he's great for young teams. Like that was what uh, Kenny Atkinson did yeah. on that Brooklyn Nets team too. Just ran them, ran them down. Not great at managing egos, obviously, but really, really great with young guys that he can mold. Yeah. Okay, uh, next one. Uh, we've got, uh, what does the Raptors franchise need to do to get some respect? I mean, not be 10th in the East, probably. <laughs> not, not be in another country, probably. I like the Raptors. They're like my pet team. I love Nick Nurse. He's a friend, friend of the pod. But let's just say this about Nick Nurse for a second. Me and Nick Nurse were supposed to do an interview, and Nick Nurse was like, hey, uh, let's chat when I get down to Tampa. And then after he got down to Tampa, it was like me and Nick Nurse weren't even friends anymore. I think he's str- he is emotionally sh- must be going through it. Yeah. Because work-life balance, so important. And he's so out of rhythm. I mean, you're just living somewhere that you don't live mm-hmm. for an entire season. Yeah, 72 crazy. road games. You can't get into a rhythm. You can't find your coffee shop that you love. The people that are around that you want to see can't see them. It's tough. You can't do that. You can't lose Gasol and Ibaka and not be impacted. We talked about this before. Right. I mean. Maybe he's just a big strip club guy, Nick Nurse. No way. (laughs) No way. That would be tough. I think Nick Nurse is top three NBA head coach, and I think it's just a tough season for him. I think the, the Raptors will be back. But Tampa Bay is is everyone's worst nightmare, except for Tom Brady, I guess. Right. And until then, yeah, I mean, they, you just got to move. You can't be in Toronto, and you can't be 10th in the East. You got to contend. Yeah, they need to reload a little bit. I think they're going to be good. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay. Uh, who is your most hated NFL team? So I could say the Washington football team, right? Division mm-hmm. rival, Cowboy fan. I could say the Eagles. Wow, by the way, those that Eagle, the Eagles team – their new head coach is just, he's like Adam Gase. It was like an Adam Gase viral moment. It didn't start out great. I mean, yuck. But when I think of a visceral reaction, a team that just makes me kind of want to vomit in my mouth a little bit, a team that I never will root to succeed, I think about the New England Patriots. <laughs> I know that's tough to say, working at a company that's, success has been correlated to the success of the New England Patriots. But I think we're okay now. We're valued at like a billion dollars. I think we're all right. (laughs) I think we're going to be all right. But I don't want the New England Patriots to ever succeed ever again, ever. I don't think I can root for any player that even plays on that team, besides maybe Julian Edelman. I mean, at least I can root for Chase Young and the Alex Smith comeback story. At least I can root for... I don't know that I can root for anyone on the Eagles, actually. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. <sighs> nope, I can't. But still, there's no people. I don't root for the Eagles. No, nope, it's the Patriots. I, I can't stand them. <laughs> okay. Uh, back to basketball. Uh, do the Sixers have what it takes to win the East? And uh, what does Doc add to their success? Doc's big-time addition. Doc and Daryl Morey? Big time. Doc Rivers. Let's just talk about Doc Rivers for a second Mm because this is what the DM wants. Doc Rivers chose Seth. So the Sixers were trying to pursue Austin Rivers. Mm -hmm. Doc gets the job and he's like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. That's crazy. He's like, don't. 
Don't let's not get Austin. I've already coached Austin and he's not that good. Facts. You got Emmanuel quickly playing more minutes or playing bigger minutes than Austin Rivers. Yeah. I like Austin Rivers, but Doc was like, no. <laughs> Never forget that. That's funny to me. That's like we're going to win games over the nepotism, and that's been a knock on Doc because he got Austin that huge contract. He's mm-hmm. good now. Yeah. Joel Embiid playing his best basketball under Doc. He's no longer forced to stay in the paint. He's like, roam around. Hang around the three-point line. We'll use you like Jokic. He's killing right now. He's looking oh, yeah. like an MVP. Uh-huh. Unlocked. Brett Brown was trash. It's looking more and more like that. <laughs> I, knew this. I knew this for years. They just kept keeping his ass around for God knows why. Yeah. This is the culture. It's going to work eventually. It's yeah. just the trust the process. Yeah. No. Like, make changes. So he also all no, no one's talking about Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris played his best basketball under Doc, and now Tobias Harris is free, free to do what he does best. Like they had Tobias Harris running ISO sets last year, and it was gross. It was bad. Yeah. So Doc gets Harris, and now he's hitting quick threes, making swing passes, doing these calculated drives to the rim. He hit he hit a game winner the other night, mm-hmm. and now you have. A rookie in, in Maxi who's making big strides just like Shy Gilgis Alexander did under Doc. So the one thing though that I could say about so I like the Sixers and I like Doc. The one thing that I will say about Doc that he should be doing that he is not doing is holding that man Ben Simmons accountable. He's playing the worst basketball that he has in his entire career, which is saying a lot. He's shooting more and shooting worse. He is just like Kind of covering up for him in media availability, too. Yeah. Which just doesn't make any sense to me. Problem. So the 76ers, yes, can come out of the East as long as Miami is still broken. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny way of looking at it. Okay. Uh, how can the Orlando Magic become relevant contenders in four years? So I was looking at the Orlando Magic earlier, and I looked at their roster, and I was like, wow, this roster is actually like pretty good. Yeah. This roster is better than the Mavs roster. That's crazy. You could go yeah. down the list. Let's just go down the list for a second. Magic roster. Cole Anthony, like him. Aaron Gordon, like him. Nikola Vucevic. I can't sp- pronounce that. Markel Fultz. Vucevic is the most underrated player in the league. I, I 100% think, yeah. agree. Fournier's okay. Bamba's don't, don't Google it. Don't Google it. Bamba's okay. Jonathan Eisen's okay. Yeah, there's some players. Terrence Ross. This is a much better team than the roster. If you go down mm-hmm. the roster of the Magic, you're going to be like, ah, yikes. Yeah. Y- Alfaro Camino, former Blazer, sneaky. James Ennis, sneaky. Yeah. I mean, what do they need to do to be relevant contenders in four years? They need a big-time free agent. That's, that's what they need. They need someone that they can give the rock to in crunch time, which is not Cole Anthony. Let's just be serious. Not yet. You think Maybe. At some day? I'm just, I mean, I, 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 I like to be optimistic for young players. Players yeah. have surprised me before. Who is the biggest surprise that you weren't sure about that has come out and is now like a legit player? Honestly, I was pissed when we drafted Devin Booker. I thought, it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, who did I you did, want at that point? I think I wanted Trey Lyles, who like got drafted oh, right please before. Don't. And I, yeah. Please don't. That is a good time to say that's all the time we have for this league. Jesus Christ. I love you, Marty. Devin. That's all the time that we have for this league. Please subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you send me screenshots of you 
unsubscribing and resubscribing, I will find a way to reward you. We've got some merch that's coming, maybe a sweatshirt. I have a backpack from Soul Pack that is for hoopers. Not sure how many hoopers are listening, but it makes a huge difference. We also have this league hoodies on sale in the Barstool store. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back early, squirrely Friday morning, and I promise you, first segment, unless something crazy happens.